Welcome to the teaching ministry of Magnolias First. For more information, visit www.magnoliasfirst.org. Well, this morning we're concluding our series, When God Walked Among Us. And over the last few weeks, we have looked at some of the episodes in Jesus' earthly ministry. Indeed, when God in human form walked on this earth that he created. And this morning, our series takes us to John chapter 9. In the previous weeks, Jesus has painted the picture of some images that help us to understand who he is. He spoke of being the bread of life, and then he told us that he was the living water. And then last week, the most powerful image of all, that Jesus is the light of the world. And so today, our series will wrap up in John 9 with a lesson on spiritual blindness. And there are two kinds of blind people in our story today. Uh, there are the religious leaders who were spiritually blind, and then there was a man who was physically blind from birth that Jesus enabled to see. You know, through the years, I've been truly amazed at some of the abilities of people who are blind. Uh, some of the greatest pianists and keyboard players I have ever heard have been blind people. Uh, in our own congregation, there's a sweet lady named Mary who in the tradition service, at least before the pandemic, would sit right over in there. And uh, I would try to make my way greeting people before it was not really safe to do that anymore. And every uh, Sunday morning, I would find my way over to Mary and I'd sit down for just a moment. And Mary and I would talk about the fiction books that we were reading. Now, you have to stop and think about that for a moment, all right? Uh, and I was so impressed with, with her, her keen mind. She had had an outstanding uh, career before her retirement, uh, and all in spite of the fact that she was physically blind. Well, one of the most inspiring blind people I have known about was a hymn writer named Fanny Crosby, who wrote hymns in the mid to late uh, 1800s. And Fanny Crosby was blind from six weeks of age on. She wrote not just a few hymns, she wrote the lyrics to more than, listen to this, 9,000 hymns. And you know some of them, like Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. And to God be the glory, great things he hath done. And, and on and on, she wrote these incredible hymns and was an inspiration uh, during the days of her life. And one pastor said, meaning well, but he said, Fanny, I think it's a great pity that the master did not give you sight when he showered so many other gifts on you. And she was quick to smile and respond, do you know that if at birth I had been able to make one petition, it would have been that I had been born blind? And she went on to say, because when I get to heaven, the first face that shall ever gladden my sight will be that face of my Savior. I mean, what a woman. What great things she did for the kingdom of God that live on through her hymns, though she was physically blind. 
Well, the story today is about a man who was blind from birth, but the truth is, my friends, we are all spiritually blind until Jesus opens our eyes. And so my plea today for all of us is my big idea, let Jesus open your eyes. And so I want you to go with me into the story of a man who Jesus opened his physical and his spiritual eyes. As we begin John chapter 9, verse 1, Jesus encounters a man who thought it would be just another day in darkness. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? You see, their question to Jesus revealed a faulty theology that was common among Jews in the first century. The Jews believed that if there was suffering, then there also had to be sin. Uh, They believed that everything bad that happened had to be the result of some sin on somebody's part. As a matter of fact, they even believed that a baby within the womb of his or her mother could somehow sin. For those of us who are passionately pro-life, one of our great motivations is the conviction that all unborn life is innocent life. How about an amen? All unborn life is innocent life. Babies within the womb cannot sin. And so we look back on that theology of the early Jews and say, uh, how foolish, how erroneous, but really kind of a strain of that wrong theology exists in some people's minds today. Think about it. Sometimes bad things happen to people and some of us say, why did this happen to me? What did I do to deserve this? People mistakenly assume that everything bad that happens to us is God's punishment. And that's not true at all. It may be that the the suffering or the pain or injustice or whatever it might be may just be the result of the fact that we live in a fallen world where sin reigns. And evil and suffering and injustice exists in this fallen world, even though our redemptive God can take those kind of situations and bring good out of them somehow. It may just be we live in a fallen world. Or it may be that God sent or allowed something into someone's life for his specific purpose to reveal his glory, to reveal his gospel. And so Jesus responds to the disciples' questions in verse 3. It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. And so you ask yourself, what is it that could be so important that God would purpose for a man to to live his life as blind for many years of his life? Well, I think this reveals something we as Christians need to understand. Sometimes we think that the things that happen in our lives, even as Christ followers, are about us. And can I help us to understand the, 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 
biblical paradigm, the New Testament paradigm, that as Christ followers, many times things that happen in our lives are not really about us. They're about our mission. They're about the gospel that we have been entrusted with to take to a lost world. And Jesus tells them in this next verse that we must do that with urgency. Look at verse 4. He said, we must quickly carry out the tasks assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. What's Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying, you and I, and even those in that day, are living in the last act of the human drama of history. This is the the last age. We refer to it in theological terms as the age of grace. Since the cross, we live in a time when the mercy of God is available to all. The gospel is available to all. And those of us who know him are entrusted to take that message. And Jesus was saying to them and to us today, you need to do that with urgency because the, the curtain will drop on this final act of human history. Someday, Jesus will return, and the opportunity to trust him by faith will be over. He will return to judge the world. And so he's saying, you need to carry this message with urgency. And so you need to understand that when difficulties come into your life as a Christ follower, It may not be about you. It may be so that the glory of God could be shown through you in that circumstance. And so the question Christ followers ought to ask is not, why is this happening to me? The question we ought to ask is, what might God want to use in this situation I'm going through? It's a paradigm shift in the Christian's worldview. Let me put it this way. The Christ follower must learn to see everything that happens to us as a part of God's mission and purpose in our lives. Jesus said in verse 5, but while I'm here in the world, I am the light of the world. He's saying in these days when God walked among us, Jesus showed the light that we have been given to bear to others. And on that day in this story, he uses a blind beggar to do it. See it, verse 6. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, Go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means scent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. Now, I think there are a couple of interesting things in this interaction with Jesus and the blind man here. First of all, that Jesus would spread uh, mud on the eyes of the blind man, and apparently the blind man didn't object. Do you think if somebody starts putting mud on your eyes, you might object? But he didn't. And then secondly, though he was still blind, he made his way to wherever this pool of Siloam was, and he washed his eyes just because Jesus told him to. 
He may have been blind, but he had a trust in Jesus somehow that day that caused him to be willing to obey him. And because of that, a miracle of healing took place. His vision went from zero, zero to 2020, all in an instant. And here's the lesson for us I don't want us to miss here. Often, God's power in our lives is only unleashed by our faith and obedience to him. Unless we are willing to trust him, unless we are willing to obey him in faith, we often can miss the power of God he's ready to release in and through our lives. So let me ask you a question. Are you experiencing God's power in your life? Are there things in your life that you look at and say, wow, that was a God thing. I couldn't have done that. God is somehow at work. Are you seeing that in your life as a Christ follower? If you're not, maybe there's an issue with your faith and obedience to him. Because that is the life that he has for every Christ follower. The spirit-filled, spirit-empowered life where God is at work in his power in small ways and in large ways in your life. And when you are living that kind of Christ-centered, spirit-filled, spirit-empowered life, there is a change from the kind of person you used to be. People will hardly recognize you who knew the old you. And so it was with this man. Verse 8. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, Isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was. And others said, No, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, Yes, I am the same one. You see, when Christ changes your life, when he truly changes your life, you barely resemble the old you. Old habits that had a stranglehold with you are gone. Addictions that you used to suffer with are broken. The power of the gospel is life transforming. You don't Think like you used to think. You don't talk like you used to talk. You don't act like you used to act because you're a new person in Christ. And people who knew the old you will ask, what happened? What changed him? What changed her? Just as they did to that man. Verse 10, they asked, who healed you? What happened? And can I tell you, when people see the change and they ask that kind of question, that's a golden opportunity to witness for the gospel. That is exactly the kind of opportunity that the power of God can fill your story of Christ at work in your life. When they look at you and they say, how can you be so positive with all that's going on around us in 2020? Or how can you treat somebody with kindness who has been so unfair to you? Or how can you be so joyful in the midst of the trouble you're going through? When God empowers you to live like that above the circumstances, people want to know what it is 
and you can tell them it's not a what, it's a who. And just like this man, you can immediately point to the source. Verse 11, he told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed and now I can see. I did a little bit, a little bit of research this week on what happens when somebody is born blind, when they have congenital blindness. And it said that sometimes it's a malformation in the eyes themselves, that they, they don't operate as normal. Or, or sometimes it's a disconnect between the eyes, the optic nerve, and the brain. And it's so severe that even with medical science, many of them cannot be uh, cured and, and enabled to see. So it just made me realize what an incredible miracle Jesus did that day. That instantaneously, this man who did not have the ability to see could suddenly see clearly. But the greatest miracle in his life was not that his physical eyes were opened, but something you're going to see in just a few more verses, that his spiritual eyes were open. And you know what? Only Jesus can open spiritually blind eyes. And we'll see that in just a moment. Well, you know, when his, his blindness was miraculously cured, you would think that the Pharisees would finally look at that undeniable miracle, that living proof, and say, wow, we were wrong. This Jesus really is who he claimed to be. And so did they? No. Look at verse 16. Some of the Pharisees said, this man Jesus is not from God, for he's working on the Sabbath. Now, if you understand this, you just kind of have to shake your head and say, are you kidding me? What they were doing was trying to hold Jesus to follow this, a man-made rule that they had added to the teaching of the Old Testament about honoring the Sabbath. It was not God's law that you could do nothing on the Sabbath. They had added a whole list of things that they had decided were not right. And so they were going to deny the miracle of Jesus because he had violated their own man-made rule. They truly were spiritually blind. But continue in the verse. But others said, but how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was a deep division of opinion among them. You know, you would think if a man was cured of of congenital blindness that everybody would applaud and, and cheer and be happy for him and affirm that, but they didn't. But you know what? Even today, if you have a dramatic change in your life because of Jesus Christ and those old habits and those old burdens of life are lifted and you're a new person in Christ, you would think everybody in your life would applaud and approve of it, right? but they don't. As a matter of fact, your faith in Jesus will not be popular with everyone in your life. Some will pull away from you. 
Some will even ridicule you. The Pharisees in this day were most unhappy with the blind man because he had become living proof Jesus was who he claimed to be. And if Jesus was who he claimed to be, that meant they would be exposed for the religious phonies and frauds they were. So they were desperate to find a way to discredit Jesus despite the living proof of this man. Verse 24, so for the second time they called in the man who had been born blind and told him, God should get the glory for this because we know this man Jesus is a sinner. I don't know whether he is a sinner, the man replied, but I know this, I was blind and now I see. Hey, they were saying, hey, we're the the religious experts here. We're the theological big dogs. We say he's a fake and a sinner. And that guy goes, hey, guys, all I know is I was blind and now I can see. You know why I love that so much? Because here's what it tells me and you. You don't have to be a theologian to testify of the change that Jesus has made in your life. You don't have to be a religious expert. As a matter of fact, our next sermon series, beginning next Sunday, is called Unashamed, the Power of Your Story. And there's such a great connection here from today's passage and what we'll be looking at for the next three weeks, beginning the next Sunday. The Pharisees here were were frantic because they couldn't deny what had happened to the man, the power of his story. And so they went ballistic. Look at verse 34. You were born a total sinner, they answered. Are you trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. What had the man done? All he did was tell his story. Now the next part is my favorite. Verse 35. When Jesus heard what had happened... He found the man and asked, Do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered, Who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. I can just feel the passion. He's basically saying, Yes, I want to see him. I want to see the one who opened my eyes so that I could see for the first time in my life of all the faces I want to see. I want to see his face. Verse 37 You have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. And in my imagination, I I just imagine that man, after gazing on Jesus' face, just fell on his knees in front of Jesus and bowed down before him. And faith and salvation washed over him. And he was never the same again. Verse 38, yes, Lord, I believe, the man said, and he worshiped Jesus. With Jesus, seeing is believing. And so can I ask you the question, have you seen Jesus? Well, I don't mean with our physical eyes. We won't until we get to heaven. But have you seen him with the eyes of faith? 
Have you done what this man did in those verses? Have you looked upon Jesus and believed in him and trusted in him? If not, I, I want to encourage you with all of my heart, do that. It's the most important thing you can ever see. Because this is, this is more than just a, a good story about an optical miracle. This story is meant to say this can be your story. So I'll leave you with two challenges, very simple, follow me, and then I'm done. Number one, open your eyes to see what really matters. And the reason I say that, do you know you can go through your whole life with perfect physical vision and never see what really matters? What really matters are those things that don't ever pass away. Because if we live long enough, guess what? Our vision is going to fail. Everything in this life will pass away. Only the things that will never pass away really matter. So open your eyes to the things that really matter. Open your eyes to Jesus. Open your eyes to the Scripture. Open your eyes to the life that He wants to give you that is Spirit-filled and Spirit-empowered. The life that makes people ask the question, what happened to Him? What changed her and here's the second one if you've done that then tell other blind people how to see Jesus just tell them like the man in this passage be willing to tell your story listen don't hide behind well you know I don't know enough I don't understand enough about the Bible I don't have all the answers listen you know more than that man knew that day all you have to do is tell your story. They can argue the Bible with you. They can argue theology with you. But they can't argue about your story because it's your story. Just tell your version of, I was blind, but now I can see. Tell those you know who are in spiritual blindness, let Jesus open your eyes. Pray with me. Father, help us to be people who are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, not ashamed of the change that he's made in our heart. And Lord, we're not all that we're going to be. We're not all that we should be. We are works in progress. We always shall be. But we are different because we've been saved by the grace of God through faith in Christ. Help us not to be silent. Help us to be willing to tell those who are blind how they can see the Savior. Amen. God bless you, everybody. Have a great Sunday.